You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Who will be your Tuesday edition of Locked On Browns to any and all new listeners? Thanks for being here. Just a reminder, five days a week, daily. Yes, five days a week. We are always here uh, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And God knows after uh, from 2017, late September to where we are now, We've certainly been through every aspect of it. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Uh, Pete, as it usually goes these days after uh, a Browns loss, uh, you know, it is gloom and doom. It is nobody's doing their job. We're going to get to this with some thoughts from yesterday. We're going to talk, obviously, about the trade deadline. We got some listener questions to get into. Um, some reactions, and then you see PFF grades and things of that nature, and you know, offensive line. Uh, as far as pass pro did their job. Um, Wyatt Teller certainly cannot come back soon enough uh, to aid this running game. Nick Chubb would certainly be fantastic in that regards as well. Uh, left tackle, uh, Jedrick Wills. It was a rough day. There's just no way to uh, put a spin on it any other way. Uh, defensively, some issues. Look, all stuff we already knew going into this. Um, Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated, obviously joining here. Uh, a bunch of stuff. Um, but Pete, I think the first thing, and this is probably what aggravated me the most today. Look, I can deal with a loss, all this other stuff. And, and for everybody with their thoughts on, you know, the Browns and trade deadline, and you need more people in here. And Pete, we've tried to say this and look, this front office is not going to scrap their plan. Their plan is a marathon. It's not a hundred meter dash. It's not a 200 meter dash. It's literally a marathon. The fact that they have a winning record, six and two would have been great, five and three. Uh, I think they're happy with that. I don't think they're going to go changing their course. This is not just the way folks who get into analytics and dig deep in numbers and turnover rocks to find more numbers to try to justify their cause or what they're doing. They're not going to just switch it up on the fly because the team maybe looked a little bit better than they anticipated they would. And the other thing would be is if you're going to go out and throw a couple of draft picks on rentals, um, we still have some people here who aren't sure of Baker Mayfield. Um, You have people screaming about, you know, what about this defense? That's great. You do some of these moves, and Desmond King may be one of them. Look, Desmond King is a fantastic player. Pete and I talked yesterday. We would have given up certainly a hefty amount, much more than Tennessee did. Um, also keep in mind with, you know, eight certain agents, you know, teams develop not the greatest of rapport. So maybe an agent isn't pushing for a player to go that way, but they're not just going to Pete, just rip up, sell away the future. Because even if you get these rentals, if they had spent a pick on Desmond King, there's no guarantee he resigns here. Um, so guess what? You're still going to have that coal come that hole come April, but you're going to have less ammunition to fill that hole. And it's not like it's the only hold. You're going to need, you know, players all over that defensive side of the ball, getting one guy in here, two guys in here to maybe make a wild card, which this team probably can make a wild card as it's currently formed. 
it's just not the way analytic people are going to do things. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the Browns uh, should make the playoffs without doing anything. They have more than enough talent. They're five and three. Especially with the possibility of 16 teams now making the playoffs. So, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, they, they already have one extra playoff spot. They might get two if they have to, you know, sh- uh, make a move in, in regards to COVID. But uh, there's no reason to to change their approach. It was never about this year. It was about building towards next year. So, you know, you get Ronnie Harrison for a fifth-round pick, and certainly it's helping you right now, but it wasn't really about this year so much as it's about adding a piece that can help you next year, which he can. He'll be on the last year of his rookie deal, and they may opt to extend him after that. But uh, I would have loved to get Desmond King provided there there was a way to get an extension done. And if that wasn't the case, which I don't think it is with Tennessee, uh, then it's a rental and it doesn't really do much for me. Um, getting a player for the next eight games uh, is okay. Um, but everything they're trying to do is with, with next year in mind. And that move would – wouldn't be if he then just leaves. Now, granted, they would control the compensatory uh, part of that deal, but uh, you know, again, it's still rental and it doesn't really add much um, overall. I don't think he's making the, he would make the defense this year from bad to less bad. They would still be problematic. They. So, I mean, they, there's no reason for them to get off the course of keep building with the idea of adding for next year. And they're going to be primed to be able to add a ton of assets in this offseason. Uh, they have, they'll obviously roll over a ton of cap room. They've got all these draft picks. Uh, I think they're going to make a trade for a player uh, and sign somebody in free agency, which right now that could be Desmond King, theoretically. Sure. Uh, if he if he's let go and if he if he gets the the free market, which seems to be what he wants to do, is get to that free agent market, or certainly what Drew Rosenhaus wants to do, uh, who's his agent. So there, by the way, guys, was the maybe why Desmond King is not with the Cleveland Browns. But another story the other day. Go ahead, Pete. So I mean, I only picked out like four guys that made sense for trades, and one of them is now traded. Uh, one of them is Queen of Williams, and I still don't think they're really going to trade him, but I would be happy to take him off their hands if they're giving stuff away like they have been. Uh, <laughs> I don't really want to add uh, uh, any receivers. I, I don't see any sort of rookie deals that, that make much sense. I would love to get Allen Robinson. I don't think that's too likely to happen, but just you know, that would be the one big swing I'd be willing to take. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's some other possibilities. I mean, I guess theoretically they could trade for Josh Jackson if they're basically giving up nothing for a guy that's not really playing for the Packers. Um, he was a guy with a really nice profile coming out, uh, but uh, just doesn't play. Uh, another Iowa DB uh, with some with some legitimate talent. Uh, but uh, you know, if they want to take a swing on a player like that, so be it. Other than that, I'm perfectly content to sort of hold tight and, and get ready for the off season and, and really the, the draft and free agency, which is, 
I think both are going to be huge for this team because if you if you could just continue the offense on a positive uh, sort of trend and Ma- Baker Mayfield gets better these next eight games and you're feeling really good about the offense, then it's more in reason to be encouraged to make that big splash and, and be a contender in 2021 and 2022. If then that may be part of the reason to hold tight right there is, is in a lot of ways with Baker Mayfield, I, mean, I think he played pretty well uh, against uh, the Raiders. I think he played well against the Bengals, but in a lot of ways it feels like we're basically the exact same place we were when the season started. So they may be waiting for a little more information on that standpoint, but uh, yeah, build and get better, but uh, there's no reason to chase after assets uh, in a trade deadline where you're already in good position to, to just go with what you have. You're, you're going to get miles Garrett back. You know, you didn't really lose him, but he's, he's going to be fine for after the bye week White Teller's going to be fine for after the bye week uh, Austin Hooper's going to be fine after the bye week uh, Nick Chubb is is the iffiest of those, and he's probably going to be back. You know, if not right after the bye week, then it's going to be very soon after. And suddenly the Browns get healthier. The defensive line hopefully gets a lot healthier, uh, which is hurting them quite a bit right now. And they can hopefully you know get it going again, playing better, uh, coming out of, you know at home against an awful Houston Texans team. Um, and we're going to get to this um, as uh, Pete, one of Pete and I's favorites. Um, uh, Brown's babe, Nicole, our good buddy. Um, she actually put in a couple of good questions. And for me, look, if if there was anything right now I could add, it would be sifting through defensive linemen. Maybe, uh, look, edge, defensive tackle. Defensive tackle may be more prevalent as we're going to get to this time of the year where you know weather could be more of a factor and teams may focus to run the ball a little bit more, especially as a copycat model of what the Raiders did to the Browns this week. But it's also the easiest thing to have a new player come into. Um, we saw Ronnie Harrison took time before he was able to get playing time learning the system. Um, you know, any linebacker, this could be the issue as well. I understand this is the bye week for the Browns, but then also keep in mind the Browns right now are dealing with, you know, we don't know the extent of it, but a possible COVID issue. Um, they're scheduled to practice on Wednesday, then give everybody the rest of the week off. We don't know if that's going to physically be able to happen. So the easiest player to find to bring in, and I'm not giving a name, is somebody on the defensive line. The four guys work in unison. It's really easy to communicate if one guy's unsure of what exactly his assignment is, to communicate left or right, to let said person know what their assignment is. But uh, for me, it would be something on the defensive line. And when this secondary played better, when these linebackers looked better at times, it was because the defensive line was wreaking havoc. And it wasn't just 95. It was 95 and friends. And that's kind of been an issue here over the last couple of weeks. We're going to get to a little bit more here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, you are locked on Browns, Tuesday edition. And again, daily, folks, uh, Monday through Friday, locked on Browns, iTunes, Spotify, always here for you. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall. Whether it's a rent, uh, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You uh, put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through your busy workday. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the stomach. It comes in. 
three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it is very easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded uh, with beta alanine. Beta alanine um, also enhances everything to get you through your day. Built Go also carries and has um, B6, B12, 10,000% of your daily percentage. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Go visit BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED, all caps, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Pete, now, I think a lot of people, and this is where I just, I, I don't get it, this. And, you know, oh, well, everything's not there yet. They could have paid more attention to the defense. This front office took over with a quarterback going into his third season. Had a promising rookie season. His second year, and look, you can point the finger at this, that, and the other thing. But the bottom line is the quarterback's numbers certainly made you raise an eye. So what did this front office do? They tried to put the pieces they felt were in place to give an accurate way to assess Baker Mayfield going further. Hence, the money put to Jack Conklin. Hence, the number 10 overall pick on Jedrick Wills. You need to solidify that offensive line to give this front office a surefire way to evaluate what Baker Mayfield could possibly be long-term. And is this the, look, every front office, you get one quarterback. Um, ho- you know, if for the Browns, hopefully it's the one they inherited so they can continue to spend otherwise to improve whatever. Pete, this was the reason the onus was put on the offensive side of the ball. And look, there's a lot of teams right now. Remember the Kansas City Chiefs last year were one of them where they were having some issues with their defense. And then it finally, finally just eventually said later on in the season, screw it, we don't have linebackers. We're not going to play them. Um, we know what our offense is capable of. The Browns, you know, look, losing Odell is huge. There's no way around it. But they know what their offense is capable of. So, A, it gives them a chance to maintain in games. B, it gives this front office the ability to assess the situation at quarterback and to define whether or not they feel they're going to make the commitment for Baker Mayfield to be their guy long term. Uh, yeah, I mean, the offense as currently constituted would um, is intact for another year after this one. Uh, now that having said that, there may be some new decisions that they didn't anticipate having to make. But uh, nevertheless, um, they put a ton of assets on the offensive side of the ball uh, and presumably will be turning it over to the defensive side of the ball, especially in the draft uh, this coming year. But, you know, is basically saying the defensive line was going to have to cover up a lot. Uh, Miles Garrett's more than doing his part. He's, you know, he's fantastic. But the rest of the defensive line is is not as good as they probably should be. Uh, I think injuries have played a role. I think a lot of those guys are playing hurt uh, and sort of gutting it out. I think Larry Ogunjobi in particular is gutting it out. Uh, as he has seemingly every year of his career. Um, but uh, you now have this sort of feeling out process where Joe Woods has talked about what he'd like to do on the defense. 
you're going to get this evaluation of the players you have on this defense, save for the, a couple of the rookies where this is, you know, obviously it's a lost season for, for Grant Delpit. And you're hoping like hell he's going to be healthy and fully recovered from the, uh, the Achilles injury. You never know what's going to go on with that, but if he is, you know, they've got him and Ronnie Harrison on the back end, presumably, uh, you know, Jacob Phillips, they haven't put him on IR, so maybe he's going to be back after the bye week. I mean, given what I've seen from the linebacker position, it would be difficult to imagine if if he was fully healthy, he wouldn't be starting. Uh, ever all you know, basically since since game one. Uh, but hopefully he could be out there right now with ever how bad that knee is, and he maybe be the best linebacker on this team, not named Malcolm Smith. Yeah, it's 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 awful. I mean, Mac Wilson. Uh, is just he might be the worst linebacker who's ever played for the Cleveland Browns. And that sounds like it's a big statement, but he's really that bad. Um, so and it's a shame because like, I, I really grew for the kid. Look, I, I think the passion, the want to, the work ethic, all of it's there. It's just not getting any better. And look, if this is the case that everybody, oh, well, he's not 100% yet, then don't dress him because you're just making the kid look worse. Because if it's not that he's not ready yet, I mean, look, it, nothing is translating into any success right now for this kid. And I feel, I almost feel bad for him because I know he's putting in the effort. And you, I just, go ahead. He is defensively illiterate and he can't get off a block to save his life. Um, if it's a declared pass, he's less awful, uh, but still awful. He had a chance to make a nice play yesterday, but Sheldon Richardson tipped the ball, but go ahead. So, I mean, they they have this sort of feeling out process where they, 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 they know they, – they, for the most part, they know what they have in Denzel Ward. You know, they, obviously, Miles Garrett is great. Uh, they have, you know, Rod, Ronnie Harrison, who looks like a really, really nice find uh, for the long haul. You, you hopefully get Grant Delpit back 100%. You're hopefully going to get Jacob Phillips back this season so he can sort of – give you reason to believe that you don't have to make an investment in linebacker. Cause God, that sounds like an awful waste of resources for what this team wants to do. Uh, but you're going to mm-hmm. have to make some tough decisions on some free agents to be uh, Larry Ogunjobi free agent, Olivier Vernon free agent, uh, Kevin Johnson, free agent, Terrence Mitchell, free agent, uh, Malcolm Smith, free agent. So that's a lot of guys that you potentially have to replace. Um, and it's not the end of the world that they have to do that, but it also means like, you know, you can't really mess around with things like, you know, any suggestion of like cutting Sheldon Richardson or something like that. that it's just too much to try to do that. Maybe you can get a few dollars off his cap figure, but that's about it. And I don't think they're too worried about that. Uh, you just have to keep investing. I think Adrian Claiborne will be fine. Uh, again, injury situation, but I, I'm, I'm happy to have him next year as a as a depth guy. Uh, Porter Gustin is he's an energy guy. He plays a run okay. He doesn't offer anything as a pass rusher right now. He just runs around, which is fine for a fourth D end. You're not counting on him to be sort of a dude right now. And if he can get better, great. If he can't, somebody will come in and beat him out. Um, that you know he beat out you know a corpse last year. So now, you know, if it actually becomes a real competition, 
you know, may the best man win type situation. So there's a lot of things. I, I'm estimating about five to six players the Browns defense needs. That sounds like a lot because it is a lot, but I also don't think it's as difficult as it sounds because you are making a real transition uh, in terms of what this defense wants to do. If you go to a base dime situation, you'd be doing that anyway. Uh, if you get a good slot safety type player, um, that would you know eliminate some of your linebacker issues right there. You only really need one and then a sub package guy, which Shoni Takitaki might be anyway. He might be your you know your sub package run guy. You just have to find that other other player that can sort of be that every down guy. If that's Jacob Phillips or or somebody else, uh, but you know that's sort of where this thing's at. And the, the pieces they have that are good are are pretty good. I think that, that you know some of them get, get better. I certainly think Denzel Ward can get better uh, in consistency. Although he sort of fits where the league is going, in that you either make plays on the ball or you die trying. Like he gives up a lot of receptions, but he also makes plays on the ball. And if you get those turnovers, you're gonna you're, you're gonna take that trade off. In a lot of ways, um, you certainly you'd rather just have a guy not allow receptions at all. But if you're just trying to be like a team that's okay uh, giving up yardage and then coming away with turnovers and winning from that standpoint, like that in many ways is where the NFL sort of is. So he he can fit within that context. Um, I think the real question you, you'd have with Denzel Ward, it, certainly the Browns don't shade corners anyway, so it's not like it's a – a big deal. I think Denzel Ward might be more ideally suited as your second best corner, uh, which would be a which would be a really nice situation to have if you get somebody who can come in and be better than him. Uh, but I don't know how how important that is uh, for the Browns with their cover three scheme. If they really want to make it a priority, they can go out and try to do that. If they don't, then they can put more of that energy into getting that third safety and really getting an impact player in that. Whether that's the draft or something else, I think uh, my early read on the draft suggests the defensive line is really strong. Safety is really strong. Uh, and, and just picking out guys who aren't even playing this year, like Javon Holland from Oregon is really, really good. Uh, you know, in that scenario, um, you'd basically be saying either Grant Delpit or Ronnie Harrison is a slot guy because he's a true free, but he's just really good. Uh, so I, I think they're, you know, the Browns have been really good at sort of matching up, and and this goes back to John Dorsey as much as I crush John Dorsey deservedly because he's awful. They have done a good job of sort of matching drafts with what they need in a draft. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I would have no problem using three of those first four picks on defensive linemen um, because that's me. But and, – and I think that the draft is going to have the supply to meet that. Uh, but if you're wanting to get a safety in that early pick, I think you can. I'm a little more – concerned about corner supply holding out uh, that might be tougher to do this year than maybe in some of the years past. There's some really nice corners. Um, some of them go to like correspondence schools in, in Tallahassee, but the, the, like a guy who's not getting much talk right now is Elijah Molden. He's very, very good uh, from Washington. And some people have him really high, but he he's a little guy and he goes up and hits people uh, quite a bit. So there's some guys that, are interesting from that standpoint, but five to six players, uh, you know, and, and if you get a couple of really nice players, like another real pass rusher opposite uh, Miles Garrett, that's like consistent, 
then it may cover up some of those guys and make guys look better. Like if we're in 2021 and Andrew Billings is back because COVID is no longer out of control, uh, at least as far as the NFL is concerned, if not, you know, the country, then I think that would help make whoever is in there at linebacker look better. Uh, I think if you look around the league and you sort of look at who the, who are the best linebackers in the league, most of them play for teams that have good defensive line, lines. So I, I don't think those things are unrelated. And like right now you're having people come back, revisit with like, well, Joe Schubert is awful and all these things. Joe Schubert's defensive line in Jacksonville is really bad. Uh, and that's part of the issue here is you run into these things where you see uh, bad defensive lines sort of really hurting uh, some of these better linebackers. And then good defensive lines are sort of carrying uh, some mediocre linebackers. Like right now, Robert Spillane is playing pretty well for the Steelers. That's not because Robert Spillane is some revelation at linebacker. It's because their defensive line is really, really good. Uh, so there's there's a lot to be done, but I don't think it's like – know the end of the world either i I think they they can do a lot they have to be smart they have to get it right but i think they can get substantially better this offseason on defense uh there's no question about it and that is certainly going to be the focus and you know the onus of what they're going to do um especially where the um most likely you're going to re you know basically rerun this offense and that's not necessarily a bad thing anyway whatsoever we get to listen questioners here uh listener questions here next uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, carrying you through your Tuesday Locked on Browns. A lot of folks working hard to uh, put out some solid merchandise, apparel. Um, I talk all the time about uh, Brian Zabo and his family. Um, I've gotten to know Brian now for a couple of years. Um, instead of my friend, uh, I appreciate the family, like just the hustle. Um, obviously, Brian, uh, you know, is a veteran, has two kids actively serving uh, the store in Vermilion. Uh, if you want to check anything out, S-Z-A-B-O is the store in Vermillion, uh, ZaboApparel.com on Twitter, on Instagram. Again, Zabo Apparel. I love the stuff. It's quality, holds up to washes. It's not, you know, one of these things where you, know, you take it out of the washer after the first time and you wonder where half the letters are. Uh, Brian puts out a quality product. So you're looking to add to the, uh, to the apparel game. Trust me, Zabo Apparel is the way you want to go. Now, I will go to our first question, and Pete, I will go with Miss Nicole. And if you guys remember, uh, we had Nicole actually joined us, and it's been a while. I mean, she's busy now, uh, back to career, um, kicking ass as a mom. Um, but we do have a question here from Miss Nicole, and that would be at, uh, I'm sorry, uh, at Browns underscore babe. Um, what happened to the top, top five run defense on Sunday, specifically the guys up front? Was it just Miles's injury, or it was more than that? Has Oga and Joby just plateaued, or has he regressed? Um, snuck in two questions there at once, which she called herself out on. Nicole, if you went through the Lockdown Browns pregame show, your boy Pete here may have suggested that this was not a favorable matchup. And this is where, and it's not talked about enough, Andrew Billings opting out was big. Um, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, and look, you know, Larry, wherever his play is, Sheldon Richardson. They don't truly have, we talk about this, the one technique. We don't have the guy, the absorber of blockers, the guy that can push people back. They're more quicker playmaking defensive tackles. And this is an issue when they're going to get into positions where teams either A, are just better at running the ball and want to do it, 
or we get into these positions late in the game where the Browns are a little undersized on this defensive line and they just can't do it. Look, Larry Ogunjobi, he's a right fit for someone, but maybe where this Browns defensive line is trending, I don't know where he fits in anymore. He's an undersized defensive tackle. He, you know, I mean, you need you need somebody up there within, you know, that interior D-line. And I don't care what they look like in a mirror. I don't care if they have an 18-pack. You need some, you need, you need a rock. You need some muscle. You need 330 pounds. And even if it's a guy who's not going to play a lot, you need a run stuffer. And neither one of these guys have ever had that reputation of being run stuffing defensive tackles. Um, so again, I think, uh, Okanjobi is playing hurt. I think he's battling with whatever abdominal issue he had earlier, potentially something else. Uh, but he has this thing where he's constantly having to play through injuries. Um, unfortunately, I think Andrew Billings would have made a huge difference. I, I, when it was, the deal was made, I kept referencing his rookie year when the Browns had Danny Shelton and he was more of a uh, able to pick his spots as opposed to now where he has to do basically everything. Uh, and that's just not a good situation for him. It's possible that he's sort of maxed out, but I really, you know, even when, when he's playing well and he's helped, like every year he plays really well coming out of the gate and then it's just sort of, <laughs> Falls off, and that may be. But it almost seems more muscular he gets, the more aches and pains he gets. It's kind of like a Porsche; you can't drive it six days a week, you know. Maybe, uh, but like, uh, th- there's a real question there as to whether the Browns are going to try to keep him. Um, if he's cheap, I fully expect they will. If he's not, and somebody else is going to offer him a lot of money, I, I basically think they're going to say, you know take the money and go like, uh, and it's not because they don't like Ogunjobi. I just think that we're getting to that point where they're going to have to start making some dollars and cents types of calculations with this. And they may have to go elsewhere, but I, I, you know, I don't know if his size is an issue because like, again, you look at a guy like Aaron Donald, he's not massively big. He's just really good. So like, you know, there's a guy like Darius Stills who's at West Virginia, and it concerns me that there's so many top prospects that are from the Big 12 because it makes me think the entire draft is awful because the Big 12 is not good normally. But he's an undersized like guy. You know you he just gets through, uh, and he, he just is disruptive. And when Ogajobi can do that, he's really good. Now, what do the Browns want to do? I, I would be inclined to think they're more of a gap-penetrating team. But if they're not and they make that calculation, then Ogunjobi's probably not a good fit. He's not somebody you want to have, you know, just sort of catch and, and try to play from that standpoint. So that becomes more of a philosophical question. I don't think the Browns want, you know, a bunch of cloggers in there. I don't think uh, that's their mindset. Uh, I think they like guys who can sort of get active and, and cause a problem like Jordan Elliott can uh, and, and they – they they have, you know, they, they signed Billings with a purpose. He was to be that dude uh, that, mm-hmm. that soaked up some blocks and, and could take on those plays. But, uh, you know, it, it, it real possibility that uh, Ogunjobi won't be here next season. And it's not um, 
you know, it's not a bad situation for anybody. He he could go elsewhere and, and be better for it. Uh, but uh, overall, once the the Browns started out really well on defense in terms of what the defensive line was trying to do, Sheldon Richardson basically forced a field goal himself on one series. Olivier Vernon had a couple sacks. And I think as they got worn out, you know, the, the fat kids just leaned on them. And the Raiders are big. Other than their center, Rodney Hudson, who I think is still under 300 pounds, everybody else is 320-plus. And I think after a while, they could just lean on you. And Josh Jacobs is a big guy. And I think the Browns were more than ready for their bye week. And, you know, it just sort of all came together in that thing. Now, if they come out in the first couple games after the bye week, they look like that, then you're really, really concerned. But I do think there was an element of just they they needed – uh, they needed a break, and now they're getting it, and hopefully it helps them get back to to being that competent play, uh, competent group that could at least stop the run and sort of dictate uh, some passing situations with which made Miles Garrett better. Obviously, not having him was uh, was problematic. So there, there's you know so much so much of this is whether whether or not uh, I'm right about the injuries. But I do think the exhaustion thing and fatigue and all that did play, absolutely play a role. Keep in mind that the Raiders' offensive line had missed the week before because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that actually may have helped them in that standpoint. Like they were sort of recharged and ready to go. Uh, and that, that the Browns were a little more tired. Uh, that's just not a good excuse by any stretch. You, you, that's, you lost the game as a result. But I think there is some sort of natural attrition there. And look, there's going to be these ups and downs if the Browns are trying to climb this ladder to become spoken about as one of the better teams in the NFL. Um, and look, it's just it, it just shows the importance of you know putting your nose to the ground, you know, you know, the axe to the ground, everything, just week in, week out, day in, day out, practice meetings, and sometimes for younger teams, it you know the pressure gets there, and I think that probably did show a little bit on Sunday for some certain players. Um, and I'll just say this before I get to the next question. Um, look, guys, I don't – look, 80 did drop two touchdown passes yesterday. You do the math, game is 17-16. Raiders still obviously would have had opportunities. And, look, the second one, it was a great hit, great play. Um, but you chalk it up. If it's in the receiver's hands, he's supposed to catch it. And look, we'll just leave it at that. I'm not trying to knock him at this point, but you know, for anybody that was trying to reflect this or point this on six, man, you got to look at all of it, man, and you got to look at the total scope of it. Um, so we'll just leave that at that. From at underscore Luckbuck on both sides of the ball, what things should they keep and what things should they scrap in terms of play calling and how they're using their personnel in these last eight games? Feet. Uh, play calling, what should they scrap? Um, nothing really. I mean, I don't really see many plays where you're going, man, that's just not working. Um, they have a lot of things that work and I think they need to continue to run those concepts. Uh, the boot stuff working horizontally because that's sort of who you have right now using Kareem Hunt as a, as a receiving threat, uh, trying to pound the ball and and get back to the running game and, and be effective there defensively i mean if i'm scrapping anything it's mac wilson um that's not really a play call but 
I'd scrap it. Um, uh, I, I, I'd like to see Sheldrick Redwine do more, but I understand uh, that if, if they're basically saying, you know, if their decision not to play him is basically because he hasn't tackling, I can't blame him because if you don't have linebackers uh, operating at their job, you, you have to have uh, a safety. That 15, that 20 come. yard play becomes a 35, 40 yards or it goes to the house. 100%. So I, I think if the Browns had better linebacker play, it'd be far easier to put in red wine because you're less concerned about that. But right now, and again, I, I don't, I'm not going to tell you Andrew Sandeo is good. He's not, he is not good, but he is not the worst player on this team or this defense. Uh, and he's having to cover up for some terrible play in front of him. And it, it puts him mm-hmm. in a position where he's getting He doesn't have out. the athleticism to do it. That's the problem. Right. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's slow uh, and, and he's bad, but at least he's willing to come down and make a tackle and he'll miss some too. But that's sort of the issue you have right now. And that's, you know, I, I think with Ronnie Harrison and, you know, again, presuming he's going to be healthy and everything, Grant Delpit, You've got guys who can come down to be physical, if nothing else, which helps. That's why I think they need to get a, another real safety uh, in the slot that can can be a, a really good player uh, that's physical. Um, you know, if you're sort of just casually looking at it, I mean, a Jabril Peppers type would be good from that standpoint. Uh, so th- th- that's sort of where we're at. But it, it, again, I. I I see no reason to have three linebackers in the field because the three linebackers you have are garbage. Um, so use less of them. Uh, using two or even one as much as possible is more effective. Again, I understand that like you, teams are running it down your throat and you have to be able to adjust something. I just – Mac Wilson does nothing to help you with the running game. So either use somebody else or, or, or get them off the field. And, hell, run a 50 front at that point. I'd rather put another defensive lineman on the field right. than have Matt Wilson at this point. Like, give me another give me another fat kid. Or just keep Wilson on the field and tell him, blitz the A-gap. Whatever you do, just blitz the A-gap. Don't do anything else. Don't go left. Don't go right. Go north and south. Blitz the A-gap. Yeah, I mean, that's an option. I mean, like nobody I, – I, I tried to warn people – uh, when they drafted him, that's all Nick Saban did. They blitzed him constantly because he couldn't do anything. He couldn't read, and unless or it was an obvious passing situation, he could drop and look pretty decent from that standpoint. But if you're just looking at him making run reads, it's awful. He has no idea what he's looking at, and he's constantly out of position. And then when he isn't uh, out of position, it's because he's 10 yards down the field attached to a guard. So, you know, Put in another fat kid. Stand up a fat kid and freaking let him be a linebacker. Go Levon Kirkland and get his freaking belly almost bouncing off the ground there, filling the filling it middle linebacker, if that's what it takes. But it, just what he's offering is is nothing. You you got Elijah Lee. I don't know if that was with the intent of trying to play him at linebacker or not, but I like him better than what Mac Wilson is giving you. Uh, again, Jacob Phillips. Maybe he's healthy. He can come in. But there's nothing like it's not. The scheme is not a problem. Like I know people get like unhappy with uh, mm-hmm. with Joe Joe Woods. Joe Woods ready to run him out of town already, of course. But like you watch the Seattle Seahawks, they do basically nothing but run cover three. That is all they do. They live in it. You, teams know exactly what they're going to get, and they still do it, and they still have success stopping people, uh, or at least they did when they had more you know talent. 
And I think that's really the issue with the Browns is it's not the scheme. Plenty of teams are in cover three. It's who do they have that's personnel-wise that makes sense. Not a lot of teams are just like coming up with stuff on the fly and and throwing a bunch of stuff out there. And I don't, you know, that's what Greg Williams did, and it did not work. Don't do that. So, you know, I I like Joe Woods. I like where he understands where the NFL is going. I think that's a prudent way to go. He's run two top five defenses in his career, top six uh, when he was two years with the Broncos. Uh, like he gets it. Uh, I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about do they have enough Jimmys and Joes to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, the personnel is just it, – it's just not there yet. Um, and, again, look, uh, you know, they went and they drafted Grant Talbot, Jacob Phillips from LSU for a re- reason. Uh, they specifically targeted players like this who are used to playing, uh, you know, with quarterbacks that are mobile, with design runs for quarterbacks, and not having, you know, obviously Grant Talbot at all, Jacob Phillips for very limited um, – it's not to say that either one of these players, you know, not banking on either one of them and not saying either one of these players are going to be proven NFL starters, but I think a lot was thought of and a lot was going to be put bestowed upon the shoulders of both players. Um, that'll do it here. Um, and we'll eventually, you know, we're going to flip on over tomorrow into bye week uh, type of stuff here. And we have an opportunity here to talk about some different things. And we're certainly going to take that opportunity and we are going to do just that um, before we, you know, fire it up again next week, getting back into game type scenarios here on Locked On Browns. Uh, for Pete and the team of, uh, you know, his team is assembled over at SI for Browns Digest. Uh, make sure you follow on Browns Digest. Check everything out through SI.com. These guys are always working day in, day out. Make sure you follow Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show at Locked On Browns. Always follow back account. DMs are open. You guys know that best way to communicate questions you have. Some of your Twitter shy, which I truly understand. Um, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open over there as well. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Locked on Browns. Subscribe, rate, review. Um, uh, tomorrow, obviously, everyone is election day. If you haven't, look, don't bitch about it afterwards. I don't care which way you're going to vote. Exercise your right to vote. Have your voice heard. That's what matters because you can't go bitch about it afterwards if you didn't take the time to actually place your vote this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go browns